I don't know about you, but I, I have a sneaking suspicion that as humans, um, we're people who just tend to take things for granted. <clears throat> I don't know if you're like me. I, I move, when, when something good happens and a problem solved, I'm like, yes! And then my mind goes to what? The next problem. The next issue. The next concern. My, my mind has a hard time keep, keeping in view the things that are going well, the things that are important, the things that are, the things that are um, significant that I have, I don't even, you know, give attention to. I, I, I um, this often happens actually with, with, with my wife, Teresa, when, when sometimes she would, I, I typically, in one of all our years of marriage, have needed to travel here or there or done this or that, and she, was, she would stay with the kids and, and, and do this and keep the house running and all this kind of stuff, and, but sometimes she would need to travel. Like she, she'd have a woman's conference or she'd go here or there. And then I would be there with, with children and, and household and laundry and all these things. Or I would be there and I'd be like, oh my gosh. Uh, I'm so thankful for you and for everything you do and that I just completely forget about and take for granted. Because when it's gone, you're like, ah! You know, these things don't miraculously happen. And, and, and that can happen all sorts of things. It, it, it can happen with friendships. It can happen with health. You know, I mean, how many times have you, have you just been like, oh, yeah, I'm just, uh, you're not even thinking about your health, and then something happens, or something happens to a close friend of yours, and you go, oh, my goodness, I am so thankful for, for this. I, I remember one of them, I, I, I funny, I, I, went, I went running with a guy. I didn't ever, I never ran, never ran. I hated running. thought running was the worst thing in the world. And a guy was over, and I, and I went running with him. I'd never run. And I ran like four miles with him up the hill in some work, like worn out tennis shoes that I would use to work in the yard. And I came back and just totally demolished the arch of my foot. And I had to get these inserts for a couple years. And I was like, I'm not going to take this for granted anymore. If I'm going to run, I'm going to get the right shoes. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to be careful. because. And I was just taking it for granted. And, and that's just something that we do. We, we, we don't realize that hey, some of these blessings that we have, we need to be mindful of them and act in light of them. That, that some of the blessings that we have, some, some, of the, some of the things that we enjoy, some of the things that are important, actually we need to live in light of them. And, and I, what I want to talk about that today it actually has to do with, with the gospel. This message of Jesus Christ. This reality that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised on the third day, and through faith in him, we have forgiveness of sins. We have a relationship with God where he looks on us with absolute favor. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we have the hope of looking towards eternity of being in his presence forever. That's all that's sort of what comes out of the gospel. But sometimes the gospel can become so familiar... Uh, it, it, can be, it can become so commonplace, so, so, so assumed, that we can even take the gospel for granted. And, and so today, we're going to be looking at a passage in, in the book of Philippians, where Paul is, is talking to the Philippians, and, he, and he's been talking about the gospel a lot so far. But then he says, hey, I want you to live a life worthy of the gospel. In other words, he's saying, I, I want you to think about how you go through your life. I want to think about what you do in light of the gospel. In other words, the, the, the reality of the gospel, what you've experienced, and this gospel that you're, a part, that you're a partaker of and that you're a sharer of, has implications for how you live your life now. And so that's what I want us to look at because <clears throat> I think that we're people that forgive it. 
I think that we can easily become dulled and hardened. I think we easily can become, um, you know, just... So, so it doesn't really matter. So, 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 so the gospel content, the gospel message, the gospel reality is not something that's sort of going through our minds or saying, hey, I'm going to live this way because of what Christ has done for me. We can sort of begin to take it for granted. And that's what I don't want us to do today. So today is sort of like an option to say, hey, let's be reminded of the importance of the gospel and how we live in light of it, what that looks like for us. Because because just as, you know, my, my marriage is important and I, and I want to invest in my marriage and I want to value my wife, I want, I want to value these things, you know, just like my health is important, I want to invest in, I want to live in a way that maintains it and encourages and builds it. My faith, my relationship with God, this understanding of the gospel message, is something that is incumbent upon me to say, hey, I need to live in light of this. I, I need to let this reality and this truth affect what I do, how I live, and how I go about my life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and the way we're going to talk about it is actually, we're going to use the words that Paul uses in Philippians, but we're going to say this, basically the gospel is worthy of standing, it's worthy of striving, and it's actually worthy of suffering. Now that's where we're going to go today. Um, <clears throat> the gospel itself is worthy of us standing firm in the gospel. It's worthy of us striving together in the gospel. And it's actually worthy of us suffering for the sake of the gospel. So that's what we're going to look at when we look in um, Philippians chapter 1. I was like, why does this Bible look so funny? Why is it open to Matthew? Because it's what Trenton read. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to grab my Bible out. Um, and um, I'm going to read the passage to you. It's in Philippians 1, 27 to 30. And just to give you a little bit of context, what's happened in Philippians so far, you know, Paul's opened the letter. If you remember correctly, remember, this is Paul's in prison in Rome. The Philippians have sent help to him with this guy named Epaphroditus that we're going to hear about in the next chapter. And, and so he's writing back a thank you letter to them, getting updated on them. And, and this church started about 10 years ago when he came through the city of Philippi and was beaten mercilessly. He healed a lady, you know, cast out a demon. He was thrown in prison, beaten mercilessly. You know, the earthquake thing happened. The church was started, and you had the Philippian jail. You have Lydia, the, the wealthy businesswoman. Um, and you have all, and this church started about 10 years ago, and now this church has grown and developed. And so he's writing from Rome to the church in, in Philippi. And so he's thanking them for how they partnered with him in the gospel, both in that first day when he, when he preached the gospel there and got you know, beat to a pulp. Um, and they welcomed and they, like Lydia opened up her home for a church. The jailer invited them into their household. They participated from day one. So he thanks them. Thanks for participating. And I'm confident God's going to move this forward. So he, so he talks about that. And then, then Paul tells them about the gospel and his situation in Rome. He's saying, hey, all this captivity stuff for me, the gospel's actually been going forward. In fact, I, I, I've been like in prison in Rome and because of that, everybody in Caesar's household's heard the gospel. You know, so Paul's in prison, so he's sharing the gospel. So, so that, that's happening. And Paul talks about how the importance of the gospel. And a few weeks ago, Andy preached on it. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. That, you know, he doesn't know what the next step's going to be for certain, but he knows that his focus is on Christ. And then it comes down to this passage we're about to be right here. Um, and so I'm going to read it. It's, it's 27 to 30, Philippians 1. And so Paul says, he says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'll know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. 
For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So in this passage, what Paul's doing is he is he's sort of he's in prison, he's been sharing the gospel in Rome, he's reaching out to this church in Philippi who's been a part of his missionary progress from the very beginning, and that church has started and grown, and he's saying, I want you to conduct yourself, to live in a manner that's worthy of this gospel you've received. Now let me just clarify something before we get into this. He's not saying I want you to live in a way so that you're going to be saved, so that you can earn salvation. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, okay, live this way so you'll be worthy so God will love you and he'll forgive you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, because you have accepted the gospel, because you have received this, because you have all these things, live in light of it. Live in a manner worthy. Live, live in a manner that is, that is appropriate to that. It would be, for example, I mean, there's all sorts of people who have all sorts of abilities and sort of throw them away. I mean, the, the classic, if you think of football analogy, the classic one you think of is Johnny Manziel a few years ago. Incredibly gifted, unbelievably talented, but he made very poor decisions and he didn't live in light of the ability and the opportunities that he had. Here he has you know, the opportunity to play the NFL, to, to, to have this unbelievable career, but he doesn't live in light of it. He doesn't live in a manner worthy of the occupation and giftings that he has and he throws it all away. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about trying to earn your way somewhere. I'm saying you have something. See, so you have received the gospel. You have heard the message of Jesus Christ. And if you put your faith in him, then you are forgiven. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You have the hope of eternity with him. The question is, are we going to live in light of that now or not? Are we going to set it aside? Or... Are we going to live in light of that reality and maximize and, and do what is possible in light of what God has given us? So that's the question. So when he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, he's saying, live in light of your reality. Live in light of your reality. So that, that's sort of the concept. So let's go back to the verses. Verse 27, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Um, and he says, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'll know that you stand firm. And so he said, remember, he's in prison in Rome, and he's not sure if he's going to come and see them or not. So that's why he's saying, whatever happens, do this thing. And so whether I only, whether I come and see you, in other words, I, I get out of prison, I get to come visit you, or I only hear about you, you know, because I'm in Rome and you're in Philippi, this is what I want you to do. And, and, and if you do this, if you conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel, then this is what I'm going to know is taking place in your life. And so he gives these three things that happened. You know, they're going to be standing firm. They're going to be striving together. And then he talks about this whole thing about that goes into suffering. So I'm going to sort of walk through those three things. He says, he goes, he goes, if you conduct yourselves in a manner worthy, then whether I just hear about you or I come see you, this is what's going to happen. I will know, verse 27, he says, I will, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know first that you stand firm in the one spirit. So what is conducting yourself where the gospel? First thing it means is standing firm. Okay, now this says standing firm in the one spirit. Depending on your translation, your translation may say standing one in spirit. Um, actually, the, the original language is a little ambiguous. 
And so it can be translated either way, whether it's the Holy Spirit standing firm in the one spirit, in other words, you're unified in the spirit of God, or you're standing firm in spirit. What, what is clear is that there's unity. I mean, it goes on the next verse, you know, striving together as one. So regardless of how you target as the spirit of God or not, it's going to be unity. There's a sense of that you are together doing something. But the first concept, the, the, the important part of the aspect is actually standing firm. Standing firm. And, and it, it's, <clears throat> that's, that's, it's contrasted to walking away, to falling down, to giving up, to abdicating responsibility. He says, what, what I will know if you're conducting yourself in a manner where the gospel that looks like is actually standing firm. Now, we're... we're when I think of standing firm, I, 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 think of, I think of like sandcastles at the beach. How many guys have built sandcastles at the beach? Okay. And so what happens to sandcastles at the beach? If you build a sandcastle at the beach, the water comes in and what happens? It just sort of wears it down and washes it away and washes it away and pretty soon there's nothing there. Right? It, it, it takes a different type of thing, whether it's, a, whether it's made out of stone or concrete or a good barrier wall or something. If you want it to stand... It actually takes effort and intention to make that, that, to make that thing stand. We, we used to dig these huge moats. You know, the kids and I were out there, moat, 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 wall, 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 because we want the thing to stand. And what Paul is saying is, hey, look, if you're going to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel, it's going to take some, some standing firm. The, the implication of that is, this world's going to fight against you. You're not going to stand firm by accident. It just doesn't happen that all of a sudden, I, 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 just, uh, I just woke up and was standing firm. No. He's like, I won the Super Bowl by accident. Says no one ever. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that did you, whoever says that? No. It's because I'm, I'm intentionally standing firm in the gospel. This culture may beat against me. My sinful nature may beat against me. My, my circumstances may beat against me. But I'm going to stand firm. I, I'm going to stand firm in this truth and this reality that I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that I am in a relationship with God, that he loves me and welcomes me and cares for me. I believe his spirit is inside of me and empowering and guiding me. And I believe one day I am going to be with him. And I'm going to stand firm in this belief. And I'm going to live in light of this belief. And I'm going to be pushed on. I'm going to be beat on. I'm going to be pushed against. And I am going to stay here. I'm not going to back up. I'm not going to give up because I believe this is true. I've experienced this and I am going to stand firm. That's what he calls us to do. Because, hey, if you're going to live a life worthy of the gospel, you need to stand firm. Realizing it's a, it's a battle, it's a struggle, there's opposition, and we need to stand. So what does that look like? I mean, part of it looks like us telling ourselves the truth. We're going to be hearing things that, 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 that are not in line with the gospel. We're going to be hearing, hey, you're not worthy of this. God doesn't love you. God has no plan for you. You know, or I, I, I'm better than this person, or, or this or that. God's mercy is freely given to us, and we embrace it and share it. And so we have to live on the light, live, live in, in light of this gospel message. Got to stand firm. Because you're going to be hearing all sorts of other messages, right? So we got to stand firm. Next thing he talks about, he says, striving together. He says, we've got to stand firm in one spirit, striving together for the, for the one faith of the gospel. So striving together 
He talked about stand firm, you know, as in the one spirit or as one. Next thing he says, striving together for the one faith. And as Americans, we're just, we're used to individuality. Right? We like to talk about our personal faith. We don't like as much to talk about our communal faith. We don't usually like to talk about striving together as one. But it is, it's the image of a team. I talked about, you know, oh, we accidentally won the Super Bowl, said no one ever. Imagine something, right? As a team. I mean, it's hard enough to do something individually. Imagine trying to do something accidentally as a team. It would never happen. Never. So Paul says, look, the way that I know that you're living in a manner worthy of the gospel is you're actually striving together. You're working together. And that's why we talk about in Journey that, that growth takes place not in rows, but in circles sometimes, right? Because you get together and you get to know one another. That's why we have life groups. So we can have conversations. About, I, mean, I, I can talk and I can speak on a Sunday morning and, and we can worship together. And that is a very important part. The Bible says don't forsake the assembly together. It's an important part. But another part, there, there, are, there are tons and tons of references in the scripture to one another. That we do this to one another. One another, one another, one another. That we do things together. And so, there's a, I would just ask you, hey, there's a part of our faith that's supposed to be done together. There's a part of our faith that we're supposed to strive together. And, and that you're helping me and I'm helping you. And that we realize that we have a common thing together. And he talks about you striving as one for the faith of the gospel. And I think what this has in mind is not only the living out our faith, but also sharing our faith. We're much less likely to do these things all alone. Right? I mean, how many people have ever joined an exercise? How many people have joined an exercise group before? Like you've done it as a community of people. You've done it with other people. Okay, I see a couple of hands. And how many people have exercised alone by themselves? Okay, good. Now, if you've done both, how many of you guys have ever quit exercising? Okay, everybody. Um, it's a lot easier to keep on doing something if you have somebody encouraging you. Right? It's so much easier. If you somebody else, you know, one morning you're feeling bad and they're feeling good, then they come on, let's go, let's get up. You know, or, or maybe you're on a diet, like, okay, we're not going to eat this stuff together. You know, we're not going to do this. Or, or, or we're going we're gonna to overcome this thing. Hey, we're going to do this together. It, that's how God designed us. He designed us as relational people in community. That's why he says striving together. For the one faith of the gospel. There's a communal aspect. And so I, I just say, hey, wh what are we doing? That, that's what we want to get in life groups. That's what we want to get in even smaller groups than that we can at times. You know, I'm in a men's group. We have a life group. But it's just because I want to grow. I want to become like Christ. And I do that better working alongside someone than I do by myself. So that's the picture. The first picture is standing firm. We're going to stand firm. The second thing is just striving together. We're going to work as a team for the gospel. And then the last part, it's really interesting. He goes on, he talks about, because they're in a situation that they're being opposed for the gospel. And he says, striving together um, as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they'll be destroyed, but that you will be saved in that by God. For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe, but also to suffer. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here I still have. 
So not being afraid is a sign? Isn't that, isn't that interesting? He says, he says, you know, I want you striving together as one for the gospel without being in any way afraid of those who oppose you. So there, there are people that, that are opposing him, imposing them, sorry, the Philippians, in the gospel. He says, your lack of fear is going to be a sign to them, one, that you're going to be saved and they're going to be destroyed. What he's saying is, we have this belief in the future that God is going to save. That one day it's all going to be set right. He says, and actually, our, our confidence in that and our, and our walking ahead and, and in the midst of opposition indicates to people that, you know, you're not in their world. That your citizenship is in heaven. That you believe there is a future. You believe there is a hope. And that you, and you have a belief in the gospel that, it's, that you're going to stand for, that you're going to strive for, even at the cost to yourself. And that, that indicates to them that there's something bigger going on. And this is, this is the, I mean, listen to the language that Paul says. He says in the he says in verse 29, For it's been granted, I mean, listen to this, what, what kind of gift, is this the kind of gift you want? He says, For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Remember when Paul came to Philippians, they saw him get beaten. They saw him get thrown in prison. So they saw the struggles Paul had when he was preaching the gospel. And that's the, that's the arena they were in when they came to faith. He says, so you've been granted not only to believe, but also to suffer. Now let me ask you something. Let's just, let's just dig into that for a second. They've been granted to suffer. Now could Paul have stopped his suffering? Why was he suffering? He was suffering because he was sharing the gospel. He could have stopped at any time by just stop sharing. The believers in Philippi, could they have stopped their suffering? Sure, just stop sharing the gospel. And it'll all be fine. Hey, if, that, if that's our number one priority, peace, comfort, tranquility, just don't talk about the gospel. Don't stand firm in the gospel. Don't strive together for the gospel. But if we're going to do those things, you know what? Suffering might very well come. And it will likely come. And it's not a sign of doing something wrong. It might actually be a sign of doing something right. Isn't that interesting? And so I, this gospel message, I, I, I don't want this to be a... I do want it to be a bit of a sobering concept. And an exciting concept. Because the gospel is of such value and such worth. The reality that we have and experience is worth standing, is worth striving, is worth suffering. Because it's the reality of being in relationship with the God of the universe. And he invites us into this process of letting others know about this. And what was the path of his only son? Was it ease and comfort? Not so much. Right? He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. So he says, if you want to be great, then you serve. Then you become like me. 
And so Jesus even, he calls us into that same process. And so, so God invites us into standing, into striving, and even to suffering for him. I want to show you, I'm going to show you a video. Bo's going to get it lined up. This, it's a secure video, so he's going to have to do some funky stuff to get it here. It's of a, it's of a lady um, that we work with. And I, I want you just to hear her story. Because it, it really illustrates in a very tangible way what it looks like to stand and to strive and to even, to even to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Dine inanmak ya da Tanrı'nın benim neyi yapacağımı söylemesine inanmak aklıma hakaret diye düşünüyordum. Cemre lives at the crossroads of Islam and secularism. For those devoted to Allah, mosques invite them to religious rituals. For those devoted to intellect, belief in a higher power is insulting. It's here, at this intersection of faith and culture, that Cemre met an East-West national partner and local pastor through their shared interest in fountain pens. Fakat sonra onunla konuşmaya başladığımda yaptığı, ilgilendiği alanı merak ettim. Ve akıllı bir insan olarak görüyordum onu. Nasıl inanırsın diye sormak istedim. This question and the conversation that followed led Cemre on a search through Christian literature and the concept of resurrection. Instead of giving her all the answers, the local believer pointed her to read the Bible. Sonrasında da bir kutsal kitap uygulaması telefonuma indirdim çünkü kitabı taşımaya ya da almaya henüz hazır değildim. Ve sonra okumaya başladım. <gülüyor> çünkü e, burada yani bu ülkede ya herhangi bir şeye inanırsın e, ya da daha entelektüel kafası çalışan bir insansın. Dolayısıyla eğer buna inanacaksam e, o lojik olan tarafımla ne kadar çelişeceğini sorgulamak istedim. It was in discovering the historical evidence of Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection that Jim Ray's world turned upside down. The very logic she placed pride in led her to acknowledge her need for a savior. Ve o güne kadar her zaman iyi olursam e, bu Tanrı için yeterlidir. Hep bunu, buna inanıyordum. Ve sonra dirilişteki... E, kurban edilme kısmı benim için çok çarpıcı oldu. Ve eğer iyilik yetmiyorsa benim için acı çekmiş birine bir sorumluluğum vardı. Ve sonra bunu hep söylüyorum. Bir şeye inanmaya başlamadım. Sadece bir gerçeği gördüm. For Jim Ray, the responsibility of encountering the risen Christ meant sharing the hope he gave her with her family and friends, starting with inviting them to her baptism. Arkadaşlarımı çağırma, özellikle arkadaşlarımı ve ailemden birilerini çağırmamın sebebi, onlar bende görsünler istedim. Geldi ben gelen bütün arkadaşlarıma ve kız kardeşime e, vaftiz konuşmamı çıktısını aldım. Ben de onlara e, o umut, o, o umuda nasıl vardığımı anlatmak istiyordum. But despite her best efforts, her friends and family remain unmoved by the gospel, especially her twin sister. 
çünkü hala o gün geldiğinde ya onsuz olursam diye düşünmek beni çok üzüyor. zorlayan şey zaten. Ve ben onların gözlerinin, kalplerinin çok çok kapalı olduğuna inanıyorum. Ve sadece onların o kalbinin, gözünün açılması için dua ediyorum. Buna benim gücümün olmadığına kesinlikle inanıyorum. Ve sadece benim ağzımdan ne çıkması gerekiyorsa onu bana söyletmesi için dua ediyorum. Relying on God's power over her intelligence, Jimray continues to faithfully declare the gospel in her spiritually dark, resisted nation. Uh, o yüzden, evet, herkes benim cesaretimi kırmaya çalıştı. Çünkü e, yani yine bu ülkeyle ilgili bir ön yargı var inanan insana karşı. Onlar e, birinin anlatmasından hiç hoşlanmıyorlar. Çünkü çok kısa bir süre önce onların durduğu yerde duruyordum. Benimki tahmin ettiğimden çok hızlı oldu. Benimki tahmin ettiğimden çok daha hızlı oldu. Ee, o yüzden e, şu an her şeyin olabileceğine inanıyorum. This hope is what drives Jim Ray to boldly stand with Christ. Özellikle saklanmak ya da gizlemek istemiyorum. Böyle ben olarak anlatmak istedim. Benim yapmak istediğim şey e, tam da e, düşünen e, kafası çalışan insanın bugün benim burada durduğum yerde durması gerektiği bunu anlatmak istiyorum ve bu ülkede benimle beraber bir şeyin başladığına inanıyorum Did you pick that up? Everyone that I know is trying to discourage me from my faith. She doesn't know another believer in her family or a whole network of friends, apart from the person who led her to Christ and the teeny community she's come to know. And every, every family member and every friend that she invited to her baptism has just scoffed and rejected her because of the decisions she's made. We were filming this video. We asked her, hey, we can, we can blur your image. We can put a, a, a thing out to the size that your face is not seen. And she said... No, I want to stand. I want to share. I believe God's doing something here. See, the reality is the gospel changes lives. It is the encountering the living God. And he invites us to stand, to strive, and even to suffer so that people can enter that relationship with him. So I just ask us, just this week, what would God have us to do? Is there a person we need to pray for? Is, is there a, a habit we need to set aside? Is there a relationship we need to get in to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to bind together because this gospel is important and we're going to grow or we're going to share or we're going to move? Maybe it's taking a step of faith and having a, a conversation with someone. She didn't have the answers here, she said. You know, when the guy led her to faith, she, had all, she was very intellectual. She's a, she's a, you know, I think she's a PhD psychologist. She, she's very, very intellectual. The guy didn't answer all her questions. He got her reading the Bible. You don't have to have all the answers. What we do is we point people to Christ and we let him work. We invite him to read the scriptures. But hey, the gospel is worthy 
of a standing, striving, and suffering. Amen? Amen. Trent, if you come lead us to close us out. I'll pray as you come on up. Lord, thanks for, thanks for the gospel. We, we confess we often take it for granted. Help us to find.